Today on the show, we're talking about losing financial motivation. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I today I'm joined with Trevor. And today we're talking about a phenomenon, which Trevor, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I, something I think maybe we all experience at one point in our life. Well, so losing, uh, losing motivation to stay to your financial plan is is something we're all susceptible to. It's a vulnerability every single person who earns money is susceptible to. Because start with, you know what, maybe not everybody is because there are people who don't have a financial plan and that's step one. And we talk about this all the time. Have a plan. Have a plan of some kind. And your your plan is really a goal and, and how you're going to get there. So every financial plan, if it's well designed, it's broken into pieces. And this is... This is where a lot of people fall down on having a financial plan is, is not, it, they just have this, let, let's just say your, your goal was, I want to be financially independent by the time I'm 55. Well, it's, it's going to be hard to stay motivated for that if you're 20. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree with that because as, as a 20 year old, though, that is a, that's, that's a lot of years ahead of you. And I'm sure even, I mean, I'm in my twenties. I'm sure I can sit here and say, oh, Trevor, you know what? No, I, I, I have enough drive, enough, enough motivation to, to get to that goal. But at the same time, it's easy to, to make those, those choices, purchase that $65,000 or $85,000 truck and kind of waver. And you need, you need uh, signposts or benchmarks or something that'll let you know you're heading in the right direction and, and that things are okay. And the other thing with any financial plan is there's going to be setbacks. There always is. No matter how well planned a, 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 a financial plan is, you're going to have obstacles in life that are going to set you back. And those are the things that when they start to stack up one behind the other, setback after setback, and you find yourself losing motivation, like the world's against you, well, it could be a poorly designed financial plan that, that that's causing this or too long of a time horizon. Your your financial plan is so far in the future that, that you, you're putting the blinders on and you're trying to run life like a straight line and not letting it lead you. And, and a plan should have flexibility. That's another aspect of, of any life plan or financial plan. It's got to be able to flex for, for life events. So you could be you could be planning on having two kids and end up with three. Well, you have to flex. Your, your financial plan has to have some flexibility in it for that. You, you're never planning on losing your job, but a lot of people through whatever reason, a recession, a downturn in the economy, they lose their jobs temporarily. Your plan has to flex for that. So too rigid a plan is also a, a flaw. in, And too rigid a plan, and as soon as one thing goes wrong, you could lose motivation overnight. So Trevor, today we are going to dive into an article from our absolute favorite website, thesimpledollar.com. It's an article by Trent Ham, and this article is entitled Some Motivation for When You're Losing Motivation for Your Financial Plans. So, I mean, this article, and I think this is a great kind of uh, introductory example of, of where you can lose motivation in a hurry. And at the beginning of here, Trent describes... Um, that he he saw friends go on to, for vacation and he was so happy for them. I mean, it was a as a trip of a lifetime and they were going for there. And but a little piece of him said that 
they wish that he was there as well. So there's this kind of, and I guess this kind of ties back to an episode we've done um, in our recently or not recently, but in our past catalog, um, FOMO or the fear of missing out. But this, this phenomenon of, of, how easily you get sidetracked by shiny things that that other people around you with different motivations and different financial plans are doing. So when I see this, and and I confront with this every January through March, uh, people I work with that go on go down south for vacations, and I, they come back with the tans and the pictures and all that stuff, and though those people, I don't resent them, and, and I they're. They've made a trade-off or they've made a decision, a financial decision that that going down south in the winter is more important than, and I know most of these people have no interest in retiring at age 55. It's not even something that they've entertained ever, but I'm going to be, I my plan is to be financially independent at 55. These people, it's maybe 65 or 70. So they, they or they don't really have a date in mind. They're just going to keep working until they can't. So whenever... I, when I, I see these people go vacation, they always ask me, you know, when am I going? And I say, well, I'm not going. And I, I don't feel bad for myself and I don't begrudge them. I, I, I know in order to be financially independent at 55, I have to make sacrifices. You can't, I've said this before and it's, it's not my expression. I've heard it somewhere. I wish I could give credit to who I heard it from. You can have anything you want. You just can't have everything you want. So I could easily want to go on those vacations, buy the sixty-five thousand truck, truck, and be financially independent at age fifty-five. All those things are not possible, but the one that's most important to me is financial independence at fifty-five. That is possible. I just, I you just have to choose. So there's a couple of things that you said there that I kind of want to just unpack a little. So the one of the things you said, um, sacrifice. You use the word sacrifice, but. And uh, we've kind of talked about this phenomenon. That's not a sacrifice for you, though, is it? I'd like to take <laughs> that word back, <laughs> if I could. Because sacrifice is wrong. If your plan involves sacrifice... It's not sustainable. You have a, ba- you have a bad plan. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to retract <laughs> You are the producer. Your, your Honor, Your Honor, I'd like, yeah, you know what? I will retract that. No, I would like to... Uh, sacrifice is the wrong word. I've made life decisions and one of my life decisions is to be financially independent at age 55 because you're right it's not sustainable if it requires sacrifice so just taking this whole I mean you you speak with such conviction I mean again I our listeners might be like oh yeah of course he does he's he's just a few years away from retiring so has and, and then our listeners may also be saying, okay, well, Trevor is just a personal finance enthusiast. I mean, how can I, a listener who's maybe just starting down my personal finance journey, be as committed and as, um, as committed, I guess, to my financial, my financial plan with, with that deriving motivation, with this, this fear of, of, of losing it? So I think your motivation has to come from seeking a place of comfort or happiness like that i want to be moving into uh an, a, a part of life that, that i'm going to be comfortable I, i'll feel safe i'll feel secure and i want to move away from vulnerability and, and that's sort of been my motivation I, I guess everywhere i've worked i've seen a lot of employee turnover for different reasons it, it, people get laid off for economic conditions 
job performance, uh, just their job gets uh, taken over by automation. So I've seen a lot of this over the, my working career. And you th- you know, they have this thing where you say, I have a full-time permanent job. Well, it, I don't believe there's any such thing as a permanent job. We're all temporary. In, in, in it, The more technology invades the workplace, the, the more temporary we all are. So that that's always I've seen enough of that that it, I that gives me a feeling of vulnerability. Having a full time permanent job, I still feel vulnerable. So my motivation is is to move towards safety and security. And so financial independence to me means I'm no longer like, as long as you have debt, for instance, you need an income. And, and back to my thing. N- you can call the job permanent, but they're all temporary. I don't, that, that feeling is just, whatever it took to make that feeling go away, that was, that, a lot of times that was my motivation to stay on my plan. My next question now is, it's going to, it extends from, again, a, a quote here that I really like, and I think will lead into the rest of this article today. And, I, and this question is for you, Trevor. And it is, uh, so quote, eventually part of me starts to wonder whether my financial plans are really, are, are worth it. And, and my question to you, Trevor, is that, yes, you are a few years from retiring now, but has there ever been a point where you kind of asked yourself this question? You know, a lot of people say to me, they say, you know, what if you contract a horrible illness at age 56 or even age 65 and, you know, you die an early death? All the things you didn't do, like all the trips you didn't go on, all the $65,000 trucks you didn't buy, you know, all the iPhones you never bought, the new, you know, all the things you never did. Are you going to regret not doing all those things if you end up with a, uh, an unfortunately short, shorter life than I had anticipated? And to me, that that's, if a lot of people are saying, is it worth it to me? And again, if you were making sacrifices, and I did retract the <laughs> statement earlier, if you were making sacrifices, then no, it, it would not be worth it. But I come to the realization quite some time ago that another shiny trinket in my life was not delivering any lasting joy or happiness. It wasn't, I still have to get up every morning and go to work. So the trinkets were, they brought temporary excitement, but not long-term happiness. So I don't feel I was I was doing without or going without all these years. I'm a fairly content person. I I I think I live a very comfortable life, and I and I have lived a comfortable life, and I, I plan to live a comfortable life in my retirement. So, if again, if you have to make sacrifice, or if you really feel you're going without, then your your plan is probably unsustainable. And that segues really ni- nicely into the the portion of this article where we're going to discuss six key strategies that has helped Trent Ham get through uh, moments in time when he has lost his motivation and had doubted his path. So, Trevor, I think we can all agree that we maybe start doubting our path or are doubting our end goal when, when we start to feel a sense of unhappiness. So the first, first kind of strategy that Trent Ham poses in his article is to ask himself, am I really unhappy and to evaluate my life? And I'll read, I'll read kind of the first paragraph here. So 
he says here, I tend to lose motivation for financial progress due to moments in time where I convince myself that my life could be better if I were doing things differently. If only I were, goes the refrain. For example, here the re- refrain was, if only I was traveling more, my life would be better. Better. At other times, the refrain has only been, if only I were more involved with a particular hobby, meaning buying, buying more stuff for that hobby, my life would be better. Or if only I felt more free to buy whatever I wanted in the moment, my life would be better. So, you know, when I reevaluate my life, the thing most people, including me, the thing that you would covet the most. So when when you think you're unhappy because you don't have things and you're sort of reevaluating, is my plan really worth it? The thing most people would, if you offered them, if I gave you more time to spend doing the things you enjoy, would you trade that for money. And and I got to think most people would. Time is the commodity that I think everybody covets. And for me, so the the good one is this hobby. So I've mentioned on this podcast before that I'm into furniture making and it requires a lot of tools. And I I started accumulating tools over the years slowly, not at an alarming rate, but they they can be expensive. But I acquired them over my lifetime. So it, it didn't cost me a lot at any one given time. But I, I reached the point where I realized one more tool is not going to help me make any more furniture. The missing ingredient for me was time. I didn't have enough time to, to make furniture. You know, I, I found myself rushing through projects because, again, time was at a, at a premium. And another tool wasn't going to make that any better. And just recently, I went with my father to a, um, a, bis- a bike show, like for bicycles. And we went there looking for a bicycle for him. And it turns out all they're selling is, no word of a lie, eight to $10,000 wow. bicycles. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know for me, I enjoy biking. But it, it isn't the quality of my bike that, that gets in the way of me enjoying the sport. It's the time to do it. So when you're unhappy and you're reevaluating, you know, is this financial restraints I put on myself worth it to for, for my my goals for me the, the if it looks like restraint it's to buy me more time I'm, I want more time to enjoy the things in life that I enjoy doing and so if I were to if I were unhappy and I wanted to re my plan I would I would come to the conclusion what I want is more time and the only way I'm going to get that is be by becoming financially independent as soon as possible so for me, this is an easy one. If I'm unhappy, I know the missing ingredient. The, the, the thing that would make the biggest difference in my life would be more time, more free time. Right now, I have somebody telling me where to be and, and, and when to be there five days a week. And I, I want those five days back. So when did you come to this realization that, that time was a, the thing that mattered the most? Is that the day my kids were first born, I realized then that no matter how much time I had, I didn't have enough. I wanted to spend every moment I could with my kids and everything that pulled me away from it made me miserable. So the, the, the moment I had my children were born, that's when I knew time was the precious commodity I coveted the most. Wow. It's, it's, and, and again, I, it's, it's really inspiring that that has been 
the driving factor that has has led you and stuck with you again to today. So maybe a, a, a message for our listeners is find that kind of thing that motivates you to 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 find out what is make, causing you to be unhappy. So Trevor, let's skip on to the next um, key strategy here that Trent Ham uses for for when he loses motivation and doubts his path. And this one is he asks himself, what happens if you give up? Consider the near future and whether it brings it brings happiness. So to lead into this point, um, Trent in his words says, let's say I do commit to the change I have in mind. I start spending money on things I want to spend money on freely. What is a change about my life in the short term? And I, I think the key here is is short term if it has a big short-term impact, so if if the change you made, you give up on your plan or you change your plan, if it delivers something in the short term, it's probably a bad decision. I'm not saying you should deny yourself moments of, of joy and happiness in the short term, but if you change your long-term plan to serve short-term needs, you're going to regret it every single time. Have you ever succumbed to this, uh, the short-term happiness and, and, and maybe regretted it? So m- m- me and my wife, we, we sort of bounce ideas off each other all the time when we're making decisions in life. And we, we will play good cop, bad cop with each other. And we'll always say, one of us will bring up the point, what does that do short-term? What does that do long-term? You know, it, it just say we were thinking of buying a new car or like we never would, but <laughs> just say we were going to buy a $65,000 truck. <laughs> um, so my wife would say, well, what does that do for us in the short term? And, and that's the best question. You know, so what, what does this new vehicle do for me in the short term? Because it, it is a short term decision. It, a vehicle has a relatively short life compared to your, your, your whole financial life. And if, if it doesn't do something other than look shiny, and most short-term decisions just look shiny, if it doesn't do something life-changing, if, if I can't say, well, I'm going to get a job hauling gravel around and we're going to make some more money, then then she might be able to get, get behind that idea. But if I say it looked really good in the parking lot at work, <laughs> park beside all the other $65,000 trucks, well, she's not going to get behind that at all. And she's going to hopefully open my eyes to saying, you know, that's a really bad idea. But so the the real good question is what, and it sounds like it's a the bad question to ask, what will this do for me in the short term? And if you can answer that question with something that's going to have um, a, a lasting impact or, or change the direction that you're going in long term, then maybe it's not a bad choice, but you got to ask that question. And and you can't ask yourself because you've already got a, a, an answer in the back of your mind of why you're doing this or you wouldn't have come up with the idea to start with. You need a support person. You need somebody who's who's is invested in this plan as you are to ask what will this do in the short term. And it's the best question because chances are it's not going to do much. That's so powerful. Just just throwing those questions out that really cause you to, to think through your decisions. But you really need somebody that to ask that question too. You need somebody to help you through it. You know, part of all of this losing motivation for financial plan 
is if you're going it alone, then I like your chances of going off the rails. You, you need somebody, a support system somewhere. It could be your parents. It could be your children. It could be a brother, a sister, an uncle, an aunt. It could be a really close friend. Somebody who you've shared your intimate financial details with and knows what you're trying to do. So when you say, hey, I want to buy a $65,000 truck, somebody hopefully in your life is there to talk you down and say, this is a bad bad idea. So let's move on to the, the next strategy now. And the next strategy is, are you happy in five years? Consider the future path. Trent Ham says, I've established that in my life. As it is, it's pretty good. I've also established that the changes I'm considering are really just short-term bursts of happiness. What about the long-term though? How do those changes affect my life further down the road? The truth is that money spent on unimportant things today have a lasting negative impact that I'll regret in five years. If I spend a a bunch of money right now, I'm going to miss that money in five years because the lack of money will be preventing me from doing something meaningful or push that meaningful thing further down the road. So this, th- this example he's giving is if, if you spent money on a new car, that money's, just say you, you could have invested that money in an in a index fund or some sort of uh, productive asset. And it would produce, it would throw off income perpetually forever. And, and, but if, if, you, if you decided instead to put it into a depreciating asset or liability like a car, it would just, that, that, that earning potential, that money's gone forever. It's not gone till the car's gone. That, that's money that you cannot invest in, and get income from ever in the future. You, you've, it's been consumed in a vehicle. So I, I love his example there, but this is, if you make a decision, I think you can spin this two ways. So are you happy in five years? So he, I think that question saying, this sucks right now, but, but will it be better in the future? So if you, if you can convince yourself, you know, right now, uh, I, I don't like where I'm at, but I, I know that this is leading to something better. You know, that I'm going to be in a better place in five years. I think that the, the five-year window is you could probably stay motivated if you knew you're working with a short window of time. The, the problem here is, it depends on your age. If you're 20 and someone says, don't worry, in five years, it's going to be better. Well, let me ask you, Courtney, is that sound like a long time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. But for, but for me, five years is a short time. I, at my age, I've gone through so many intervals of five years that five years is like a nap, right? I, I wake up and oh, five years has passed. And so. I do want to add in though that I think depending where, what age you are and what stage in life that you are, five years can make a bigger difference than than another set of five years. I mean, Trevor, when you were reaching retirement and financially stable, five years is just five more years. But for someone in their twenties, a lot can happen. A lot their life can really progress quite dramatically in five years. And that's a fabulous point. And, and so it, it's actually twofold for someone your age. Five years seems like a long time to stay motivated for, but five years can make a world of difference. You're oh, right. Yeah. If you could save, if, if you could spend five years saving a down payment on a house, that might be a game changer as a wealth building tool in the future. And, and but in this in the same breath too though I mean I, to flip that on its head someone who's closer to your age maybe fifty five they they're looking around and, and they're like oh what's 
five more years of, of living in debt or what's five more years of, what, what is five years of a difference going to even make? I think I, I, I will somewhat disagree with that. I think five years at my age is, it, it's less important, meaning it's going to be less life-changing, the five-year increments at my age. But the five, if, if you screw up five years at your age, the beauty is you could, you have time to recover. But if you get a five-year period right and you make all the right decisions in that five-year window, it could it could launch you and, and just jettison you in just in, in the best direction for the rest of your life. Whereas if I screw up five years in, in of my life later in life, I, I think those five years are less impactful on my my overall well-being. But if I make a really bad decision, I got no time to recover. So, so fi- a five-year window for me of a bad de- a, a big bad decision could sink me. But, but I think if at your age, miss you know making a, not utilizing a five-year window of good decisions, it, it it wouldn't destroy you, but it might not put you on a path to success. Oh, definitely, I can I completely agree with that. But I think here, if if you can convince yourself that the next five years of of doing whatever it is you're doing is gonna is gonna lead to a better place, and this is where a documented plan with uh, smaller goals or, or or plateaus that you're gonna achieve, those are the kind of things that would stay you keep you motivated in a five year window. For instance, if just say you're saving for a down payment on a house, well. And just say you wanted to save a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's a lot of money when you're in your twenties. But but if you said, well, we need to save you know twenty five thousand dollars a year, well, that's something you can get behind, right? And you can stay motivated for. So that that's where I, I almost think five years is is kind of long for a young person. I, I think I, I would feel better working, you know, with three year windows. You know, if I do this for three years, will it lead to a better future? And I, th- I think that's something I could get behind. No, I definitely agree with that. I think a, kind of a three more window is a lot more manageable to, to really to grasp onto. And again, it, it depends on your age. The older you are, the bigger the window can be. So let's move on to the next strategy that Trent Ham recommends to to really implement or, or take hold of when we, we find ourselves losing uh, motivation for our financial plans. And the next one is what's driving you down. And he kind of lays out and we'll go through the five ways that this is applied. So he says almost always the loss of motivation to keep on a financial path is coming from a source of unhappiness and the state of one's life right now. There's some element of your life that you're unhappy with and you feel as though you're walking away from your financial progress and freeing up your spending will fix whatever the source of unhappiness is. Um, thus one great strategy is to dig deep into that unhappiness. Why exactly are you feeling unhappy with the state of these things in your life? So I really like this one and I know anyone who's uh, been around for a while has uh, heard Mike, he, uh, one of our guests, he comes onto the podcast quite, quite frequently and he actually, he, he taught me this myself even before I read this, but he, he uses a technique that he essentially asking himself why and he, he does this to help drill down what is really bothering him at the core of, of an issue. And so Trent Hamm kind of describes the same technique and calls it the five whys. And and when he comes up with the answer, he then asks himself why to that answer. And and again, ask, keeps asking again and again until he's able to, to reap something more uh, meaningful and powerful. 
So this is a proven technique that if you ask why enough times, you will get to the root cause of the problem. We, we have the, a five why thing we do where I work, and it, it tends to get to or get pretty close to the root of the problem, but it requires a solid answer to each why. And if you don't give a good answer to the first why, then you don't get to a good second why. And so it tends to require where I work a team of people who who are willing to challenge each other on the answers to the whys because you can't want to you can't want to just get this thing done and, and get your five whys and pretend you found a solution. So again, in life, you need a an accountability partner or somebody that when you ask, you know, why are we currently unhappy? And you you have to give a solid answer to it. It can't be, um, you know, be, because we don't have any peanut butter, you know, and <laughs> just, just say, well, um, why don't we have any peanut butter? Well, because we haven't got enough money to get groceries. And why don't, have enough money, why don't we have enough money to get groceries? Uh, because I lost my job. And why did you lose your job? Well, because I kept phoning sick to work. And, and you might get to the root, root of the cause, you know, the root of the problem. Like that that's an example uh, of, pretty fictitious one, but how you might drill down. So in all of a sudden you get, you go from no peanut butter to I keep phoning for sick for work and that's why I lost my job. All of a sudden that one seems pretty, uh, pretty real, right? That seems pretty, but you can see how you could get there, right? It's, but, but you might not get there on your own. That's where you need to have at least one other person in the room when you're asking the whys, because you could say, I don't have any peanut butter because I don't like peanut butter anymore. Like, you know, you, you could fool yourself into why you don't, have something or what, what, you know, the, a bad answer to a why. But, but I think more importantly is when you ask what's driving you down, sometimes just practicing gratitude can be a, a game changer, right? Just, just appreciating what you have. And here's a little thing that happened to me just the other day. So I mentioned this bike show I was at with my father. Well, we're driving home on the highway and, uh, I got a flat tire and I, I, so we're driving along and I, the, I could hear this tire sound getting louder and louder and I said well this doesn't sound good and the car is trying to start not handle quite as well so I pull over and sure enough the tire's flat but I pulled over before I destroyed the tire in the wheel right so I, I, I that so there's gratitude I, I didn't wreck my tire and I get it to change it and it's on the passenger side of the car so it, I'm on the highway but I'm not trying to change a tire right beside you know traffic going 100 kilometers an hour so there's another element of gratitude also it's it's a nice sunny day it's not raining and it's not night. So th- there's some more gratitude, right? So it's, um, it's not raining. I'm not doing this in the mud and I'm not trying to do it in the dark. So I'm pretty happy about that. And we're not on our way to an event. We're on our way home. So, I mean, if I get a little dirty or a little sweaty doing this, no, no big deal. I'm just going to go home and change. So there's some more gratitude, right? So I had a flat tire and in my mind, I couldn't have had a flat tire under better conditions than this. You know, these were the, these were great conditions. And also here's another gratitude. If I did need to change my tire in the dark, in the rain, on the way to some event, I, I, I've got some practice in. I just changed a tire. Like I know exactly where to put the jack. I know exactly how high it has to go. So I think I, I had a great opportunity to, to sort of practice a pit stop. You know, I know how to change a tire. I, I did it under great conditions. So the next time I have to do it, if the conditions are not as ideal, I'm already sort of a seasoned pro. So there's an example of practicing gratitude. 
I, I, I looked at something that happened and said, I learned something from that. You know, this was an experience, not, not a, not a curse or not a, a burden. I, I got something out of this. So practicing gratitude is, is a way to not let things drag you down or drive you down. Now I know that's not related to a financial plan, but gratitude has to come from the deep down inside. It has to be there every day. And if you don't practice gratitude, you can get down on any, on the best financial plan. You could, you could be just miserable, even if this thing is so dialed in and, and a sure thing, but you could get down because for the, for the smallest reasons. So the five whys is a good idea, but gratitude, I think is a bigger driver for this. Well, your example about the gratitude, which again, I I do want to ask, was that something you were able to pull together in the moment that gratitude, or was that something after the fact where you reflected back? No, the minute I got in my car and I seen my tire was still in perfect condition, I, I smiled. I literally smiled because I thought, wow, this could have been a lot wow. worse. And then I, it was so easy to change that tire. Like, I, And I, then as I was putting the old tire back in the car, I realized just how nice of a day it was. So I was practicing gratitude from the minute I saw my tire was is still in, in pristine condition. And, and it's, it, it's going to be completely salvageable. They'll just put a plug in it and I'll be off and running. So... I think it, I didn't have to sort of work that up or anything. I, I just, I smiled the minute I saw the tire was, was good. That's great. And that reminds me of how, how drastically it relates to the five whys because you start out with something and you get, and you, when you start at the beginning of, of again, what, what's bothering you and then you get to the, the, after you ask yourself why a few times, that answer looks a lot different from your starting point. So, I mean, that's what it kind of reminded me of as, as you were explaining this. I mean, you started off with an unfortunate situation and and then the the more you were kind of talking about about you know, how you were practicing gratitude, the more you were, it, it, it turned on its head completely something that was negative to, or that we perceive as negative to this, uh, to, all, to all the kind of mo- things that you could pull out of it. Well, just to take this this story one step oh. further. <laughs> so when I dropped my father off and, and I told my, my mother about the flat tire because we were a little late getting back. And she goes, your, she goes, your father has a CEA card in his wallet. They, you know, he, they could have, he could have called CEA. They could have come and changed it. And I said, what? Miss an opportunity to learn how to change a tire? No, thanks. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's great. That's really great. So let's move on to this is the second last strategy we can practice to to again get to bring back that motivation for our financial plan to continue down that path when we when we kind of lose track. And this next strategy is asking yourself what's the bigger picture. For this you look outside of yourself. So Trent Ham says when I start to feel demotivated when it when it comes to my own financial plans, I find that I need to step back and look at the bigger picture. The truth is, my financial plans aren't just my own financial plans. At the very least, my wife Sarah is intimately involved in my financial plans, and to a slightly lesser extent, so are my children. My parents are involved to a small extent, and beyond that, so are some of my closest friends. They are all impacted if I start making major changes to how I spend my money, and often not in a good way. So I love this. You look at the bigger picture. It's it's. It's not a. It's not all about you, and I think that's that's the important thing. If you have dependence in your life, then it's it's what, the minute you have children, the minute you have a family. There, there's a thing where children make decisions. Childrens do think. Childrens do do things they want. Adults do things they have to, 
And once you be, you have dependence and you make a, an adult decision to have a family, it, it's no longer all about you. It's, it's, it's about you and your family. And, and here's an example where I knew for me, it was important that all three of my children and me got through there. They were going to, I wanted them to be educated in post-secondary school. So college or university and is we would all be debt free, meaning my, my children would take on no debt and me and my wife would have no debt when they were done. That was the goal. And the only way I could accomplish that is by being debt free before they started school. So, you know, having a plan, you need a short term and long term goals. So there was a, a short term goal. There's two short term goals. One was I needed to be debt free, no mortgage, no car payments, no nothing. Before they before they graduated high school, and then I needed to dedicate all that money that was going to those things to go into post secondary education. So again, we would all be debt free, or we we would take on no debt while they were in school, and they would graduate debt free, and and I would have not accumulated any debt in doing that. Second goal. So there's two goals. Now let's just say I decided I wanted a sixty five thousand dollar truck, somewhere in the middle of all of that. Well. In making that decision, I would have put in jeopardy that debt-free dream for my kids to finish school without debt and me not to have incurred debt putting them through school. And that, to me, was far more important than, than any, any, any other purchase I, I could want or dream of. So I, I knew that, that it wasn't... Obviously, it's not about me. It's about the well-being of my family. So that, that's an example where I, I looked at something, the big picture, something beyond myself. So I would say, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe this is the kind of one of the strategies. If you have a family and if, if you are family oriented, that looking at the bigger picture might be one of those maybe more easier to implement um, motivational strategies when you are kind of losing that motivation. Well, the bigger picture is kind of twofold. It's, it's the big picture in that all the people that it, your plan encompasses, and then the big picture could be, you know, the long term, right? You, the, so, big picture can be looked at two different ways. In this particular example, I think they're looking at the big picture right now. You know, what you do right now, not not this isn't the thirty year window. This is the current window. It, 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 things you do today will impact all the people around you today. So, or I say today, you know, in the, in in a a fairly near term window, like three to five years. So the final strategy that Trent Him has posed within his article is, "What's the routine? Alter it." He says, "In the end, all of this thinking almost always leads me to the conclusion that the right fix for financial malice is to start altering my time use, not my money use. These feelings almost always result from me not using my time and energy in alignment with the things I want to be achieving in life and getting out of life. And throwing my money around is like putting a small bandage on a gaping wound." And we talk about this all the time. It's the grand gestures in life are great and should be celebrated without question. You know, if you get a big raise or you land this job with a really good income, those things should be celebrated. But it's the little things you do every day that are going to move the needle. These are the things that are going to going to make your plan work or not work. It's it's the it's the grocery shopping, being um, not not sort of 
retail therapy at the mall. It's, it's, it's all the little things, you know, Amazon not being your homepage. It's the little things you do every day, packing a lunch. We, you know, we've talked about all these things, but if your routine is not, if your daily routine is not aligned with your long-term plan or even a short-term plan, if you have this plan to be debt-free in five years, but you find yourself at the mall every Saturday with a bag, arm, arms full of, of shopping bags, clearly your your weekly routine is not aligned with your, your long-term goal or your short-term goal. So I, I think if you're losing motivation in your financial plan and it's because your your day-to-day actions are not leading you to you towards your plan it's not that you have a bad plan it's that your daily habits are flawed and here's an example is people i like to read a lot and and whenever i mention i read a book the first thing people say oh i wish i read more people say that to me all the time like i could i could help them with that but i can't it it has to be something you want and generally speaking you have to if you want to change something you're currently doing you, you can't just do a lot of times you can't just do less of it you have to like unplug one thing plug the new thing in so if you want to read more unplug netflix plug in books you know that you got to swap one time slot with another you can't just in, add time to your busy schedule so if your daily routine for instance, go go to your local library instead of going to the mall would be a, a good, you know, every Saturday morning, make it your habit to go to the library every Saturday morning. And if you're at the library, you can't be at the mall at the same time. So there's an example where your routine has changed, right? It's it, you, you, you need to alter your personal finances. It's all about your habits, right? It's, just, it's rarely about bad math, right? It's, it's not, it's not that you don't know how to, everyone knows when they're overspending, like they, they know I've spent money I don't have. Like you don't need to be a mathematician to, to do that kind of math. So it's, it's your habits that, that are going to make the difference. And that's where I think what's in your routine, your routine. If it's, if it's not helping you get to the, your goals, you need to change it. So Trevor, those, that brings us to the end of Trent Ham's reasons to, to kind of re scratch. So Trevor, that brings us to the end of Trent Ham's proposed strategies to 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 really motivate ourselves and invigorate ourselves and and get ourselves really on board with our original uh, financial plans. Uh, with all of those that we that we went through, is there one that uh, you feel either is the most important, or is there an, another kind of strategy you like to add on as as your final closing thought? Well, we you know I, I would start with make sure you have a financial plan of some kind. Make sure you are not just going on a wing and a prayer. Make sure you have a plan and make sure that plan has some flexibility built into it because life is not a straight line and, and make sure it's developed on small goal, achievable goals, something you can, you can tangibly reach and feel and touch and, and know you're moving in the right direction. And on that note, that brings us to the very end of today's episode on losing financial motivation. If there was something you feel that has invigorates you every time that you maybe waver with your motivation to achieve your financial goals, let us know. 
You can reach out to us through our contact submission form at livelifesimple.ca or through email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. And we'd love to learn about how you invigorate your motivation when you maybe lose track of it. Thank you so much for being here this week on another episode of Simple Money Solutions. And we can't wait to have you back next week for a new episode. Until then, keep it simple. Simple.